It all started with a statue. They said that if we were to remove the statue, we would rewrite history. After this, I've started receiving death threats. And it's escalated into an international incident. One of the Russian diplomats here in Prague is supposedly an agent who came with poison to destroy me. It's like as if you were watching a spy movie. Why is a local mayor in the Czech Republic the target of a global disinformation campaign? And could the onslaught against him prove fatal? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, are Vladimir Putin's assassins trying to kill the mayor of Prague? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The mayor of Prague has confirmed he's under police protection following claims he's been targeted by Russian assassins. Earlier this week, the Czech newspaper Respect reported that a Russian agent carrying ricin had arrived in the Czech Republic. Spokesperson called this report fake. Uh, he said that the Kremlin was not aware of any investigation of whatsoever. It can probably be said that the police protection has lasted since about Easter. No date has been set for it to end. Sometime around the Easter, I was contacted by the Czech police who said that they have identified a, a risk or a threat that could be linked directly to Russia. And they strongly advised me that I should go under police protection. That's André Collage. He's serving his second term as the mayor of Prague 6, a district in the Czech capital. And he's speaking to me whilst under 24-hour police protection. For Mayor Collage, it's been a long month. I was in a secret hideout for almost two weeks without a phone, without the possibility to be with my family, without the possibility to go to work. The only person I could communicate with was one of my colleagues from my office who was the only person who knew where I am. Even my family didn't know where I am, you know. The worst thing about this whole situation is the uncertainty because I, I don't know what's, what's really going on. What he did know is that a statue and a debate about the Second World War had somehow left him in fear of his life. I've been put under police protection at the beginning of May. That's when, under my lead, we removed the statue of a Soviet marshal, Marshal Konev. The Czechs have been upset for some time about Soviet war memorials in general. Edward Lucas is a columnist for The Times. And they are particularly unhappy about Marshal Konev. I read and speak Czech, 
and follow developments there pretty closely. And I've spent my whole life dealing with the region we used to call Eastern Europe. I lived in communist Czechoslovakia, where I was the only British foreign correspondent until the revolution. This story actually begins long before Edward's time in Prague. During World War II, Czechoslovakia, as it was then, fell to the Nazis. It was liberated at the end of the war in May 1945. But you hear very different versions of how that happened, according to who you ask. The liberation of Prague in the Soviet eyes was a straightforward business where the Soviets turned up under Marshal Konyev and defeated the Nazis. It was actually much more complicated than that. And what's the Czech version of the story? The Germans surrendered not to the Soviets, but to the Czech resistance who'd taken over. And the Soviets really arrived at the end and took all the glory. Now, Marshal Konyev represents this kind of great missed opportunity for the Czechs to have secured their own liberation. So he's regarded, although as a hero in Russia, as a villain in the eyes of the Czechs. The district of Prague that André Collage oversees happened to have a statue of Marshal Konyev in one of its squares. It's also the district where the Russian embassy is located. The statue and the monument itself was built in the 1980s. The statue was a sort of a devotion of the communist leaders of Czechoslovakia to their Soviet comrades. But Mayor Collage and many other people in Prague 6 don't see Marshal Konyev as a hero of the city. He and his soldiers came to Prague on the 9th of May a day after the war ended, after Marshal Konyev and his troops arrived to Prague, what they did was immediately after the end of the war, they started imprisoning people. So a great number of the anti-communist Russians fled the Soviet Union or Russia to the then democratic Czechoslovakia and settled here. They gained Czechoslovak citizenship and became Czechoslovak citizens. And after the Second World War, when Marshal Konev and his troops arrived, these people were imprisoned and uh, they were taken by force back to Russia. And most of them actually disappeared in Siberia. You know, they were taken to Russian gulags where they died, most of them. And that part of forgotten history is particularly painful in Prague 6. Prague 6 was historically the part of Prague where these people found their homes. And ironically, the statue of Marshal Konev stood on a square which is surrounded by houses which were actually full of these people, you know. It's maybe a tragic comedy or a historical coincidence that the statue of someone who actually ordered these people to be taken away from their homes, was standing on a square in between the houses where these people lived. The hatred for Marshal Konyev runs deep across Prague. For decades after the end of the Second World War, he was instrumental in keeping Czechoslovakia tied to communist Russia and in crushing any signs of dissent. Apart from being a war hero from the Second World War, he was actually a man who imposed... Soviet dictatorship all over Europe, you know. He was the one who ordered killing people on the streets of Budapest. He is the one who was overseeing the building of the Berlin Wall, which divided Berlin for how long? 45 years, and which divided Germany into two parts. He is the guy who brought into Czechoslovakia 
intelligence officers from the Soviet Union who mapped and actually made the reconnaissance of Czechoslovak territory before the invasion of the Warsaw Pact armies. Marshal Konyev had also been the commander of the Warsaw Pact, which kept Eastern European countries tied to the Russian military. So since the Czech Republic broke free and joined the EU, decades of fury are regularly unleashed on his statue, which soon became a problem for the mayor. It's been a target of vandalism. Someone had an urge to spray paint over the statue every year, at least twice. So in 2015, we decided to contact the Russian embassy in Prague, which by coincidence is also in Prague 6, not far from the town hall where I am now. We told the Russians that since the statue and the monument of Marshal Konyev, their war hero, is being damaged quite often and quite periodically, we would like to do something about it. And one of the proposals that we made to the Russians was that we offered the statue to them and we said, listen, since it's here in open public, it's quite hard for us to safeguard the statue and prevent it from being damaged. So you, you as mayor, you've got a problem with the statue. It's constantly being vandalised. You go to the Russian embassy and ask if they want it. What was their response? What did they say? Well, their response was that if we were to remove the statue, we were rewriting history. And that if we decide to remove the statue, some measures will be imposed. And they never said what the measures are. Our proposal was immediately followed by threats from Russian officials. Tell me about the Russian state's response. After we removed the statue on the 3rd of April, Russia came up with a new law. Under this law, anyone, anywhere in the world, who, according to the Russians, damages any monument dedicated to Soviet heroes or Soviet army or the Red Army or the Second World War, should be punished. Does it say what the punishment should be? I think in my case, it's either three years of imprisonment or public work or something like that, or a penalty, financial penalty. I don't know. The fact is now that I'm now being trialed in Russia. You're facing trial in Russia? Yeah. They've invented a law basically for you. Yeah. I don't know what to tell if it's an honor for me from the Russians that they have written a completely new decree only because of me. Edward Lucas has been watching Russian lawmaking for years. Yes, I, I mean, there's quite a lot of countries have some sort of extraterritorial application of their law. So uh, it's not totally unusual that this sort of criminalisation of attacks on history is a very specifically Russian thing. And the word they like to use about it is blasphemous. Having just been declared a criminal by the Russian government, Mayor Collage was shocked by what came next. The Russian Minister of Culture appeared in Russian media and he said that the uh, municipal government of Prague 6 is full of Nazis. A disinformation campaign was rapidly spreading rumours that Mayor Collage was a Nazi. After this, I've started receiving emails, text messages, phone calls, texts over Facebook that I should be dealt with in the proper way. I've started receiving what is the um, way? death threats, <laughs> you know, that I should be killed. And someone even came up with a construction that I have taken down the statue because I have a Nazi history. Someone created a hoax that my father was a Gestapo member. 
Which, of course, isn't true. You know, my father wasn't even alive during the war. We, ah, so that's um, quite easy to disprove. Yeah, we disproved this, this hoax. But the threats continued. Through Facebook, email, text messages, phone calls, the police uh, said, well, listen, these threats could be serious. We will now guard you. Were you quite scared at that time? I was actually shocked, not scared, you know, because I, I would have never thought that such action, when you as a mayor of a district of a city, a capital of a democratic country, which is part of the EU, could face such campaign, still today I cannot understand this. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The threats kept escalating until eventually there was a reported assassination attempt against André Collage and two of his colleagues. I felt surprised because I couldn't, you know... Imagine that Russia would ever come up with something like this. I would have never thought that actually they would send someone with poison to Prague to actually assassinate three Prague politicians. It's like as if you were reading some spy book, you know, or watching a spy movie. I mean... What do you know about this agent? What do you know about the person and how they were supposed to be planning to assassinate you? Well, from what I heard and read in the newspaper is that this guy came to Prague with a suitcase full of poison. Reports allege that a Russian agent, who's now holed up in the embassy in Prague, arrived carrying a briefcase full of ricin, which is a highly potent toxin. It's now getting, I would say, to an absurd point, you know, because of course the Russians, what else can they do than deny all of this? The Russian embassy in Prague have formally denied reports that Russian agents have been plotting an attack, and the Czech authorities haven't publicly given a reason as to why Mayor Collage has been taken into police protection. I am pretty much certain and sure that Czech police, Czech Secret Service and actually the government here have evidence of something like this going on. If they didn't, they wouldn't put three Czech politicians under police protection, they wouldn't communicate with the Russian embassy and none of this would have happened. I do not know if this particular guy they are now showing in the media is an agent who came to Prague 
with an order to assassinate me and my two colleagues. But I am 100% sure that Russia is threatening me. Edward Lucas thinks the mayor could be in grave danger. I think there is a threat, and we've seen repeated instances of critics of the Kremlin getting into serious trouble. So if I was Mr Collage, I would be wanting a police protection. It's not just this rather lurid story of the assassin supposedly carrying rice in, which was leaked a few weeks ago. There's also the danger of hoodlums, and the Russians are quite capable of hiring local organised crime to go and carry out either punishment beatings or assassinations. And there have been other instances of of that in other countries. So I think that uh, Mr Kolash, sadly, is right to be alarmed. But luckily, the Czech local intelligence service, um, the BIS, is um, quite effective. And I think they will do a very good job in protecting him. What do you make of the tale of the assassin with a briefcase full of rice in? I think if you were going to kill someone, the easiest way to kill them is through a sort of car accident or something that looks like a, a, a mugging gone wrong. And these sort of exotic poisons are, you know, are quite spectacular, which makes me think this may be more of an intimidation effort than actually assassination. The FSB operation to kill Mr. Litvinenko was probably approved by Mr. Petruchev, then head of the FSB. That the words my husband spoke on his deathbed when he accused Mr. Putin of his murder have been proved. The government has concluded that it is highly likely that Russia was responsible for the act against Sergei and Yulia Skripal. The Prime Minister said the nerve agent used was Novichok, produced in Russia since the 80s. A despicable act, she said. There does seem to be an oddly exhibitionist streak in the way Russia does these things. I mean, just thinking back to the Salisbury poisonings and Litvinenko before that, I mean, they don't go for sort of ordinary looking accidents so much, do they? They go for all kinds of things. We've seen uh, people dying from falling down dead while jogging in Surrey, in the case of Alexander Pilipilichny, with some mysterious substance in his stomach, fed to him by a, a very new friend who subsequently disappeared. We've seen the use of polonium against Mr. Litvinenko, the use of Novichok against Mr. Skripal. We've also seen people falling out of windows or hanging themselves in the shower. And in the case of one notorious uh, death in Washington, D.C., a man beating himself to death with a baseball bat. I imagine it must be quite hard to do. The, the Russians have a very extensive toolbox that they can use. It's in all sorts of innovative ways. This does feel distinctly different, doesn't it? They have in the past gone for Russians who are abroad. But to target, I mean, I know he's a district mayor, sort of the equivalent of a council mayor here, but he is a politician in an EU country. Would that be a step too far? Or do you think they're sort of feeling emboldened because they seem to have got away with so much up until now? They have got increasingly audacious. In the 90s and noughties, there was a feeling that basically you might be at risk if you're Russian, but you wouldn't be at risk if you weren't Russian. And then it was a more case of if you have betrayed a Russian, you're at risk. So you may be a foreigner who's done dealings with Russia and is now switching sides, and that will put you in the crosshairs. But I think you're right that this would be the first time that someone who has no connection with Russia is being intimidated and possibly um, subject to an assassination attempt simply because something they've done that Russia dislikes. 
some of the threats against the mayor were coming from people inside the Czech Republic, where in recent years, pro-Russia groups appear to be gaining ground. If you take a look at East Germany, they have a, a word into German which combines two words, nostalgia and East. Nostalgic feeling for East Germany. Nostalgia. And I think that many people in the Czech Republic have this feeling too, you know. They feel that their lives were much better during communism because they were really taken care of. That's their feeling, you know. They hate the regime, they hate democracy that we have now, they hate Europe, and they are sort of looking towards Russia as the savior of Europe. And the Czech president is one of them, actually. If you look at the proclamations of the president of the Czech Republic he has made in the past four weeks regarding this cause, the cause of the statue of Marshal Konev, the things he says are exactly the same as the things that the communists say and that the Russian officials say. And that's quite shocking. He says that we, the people who have something to do with the removal of the statue, should be punished. The Czech president thinks you should be punished. Yeah. He says that we should deserve a punishment for what we have done. I don't know what sort of punishment. I think that the pro-Russian elements in the Czech Republic can easily have their importance overstated. Most Czechs remember Soviet rule pretty bitterly, and the affection they may have for Russian language and culture doesn't stretch over into liking Putin very much. But there are some elements that do think they, they like Putin's social conservatism. They like the idea of national sovereignty, sticking up for your country and not being bossed around by multilateral institutions. One shouldn't also overlook the fact that these um, supposedly pro-Russian groups, in some cases, are actually sponsored by the Kremlin. There may be money and political support and other sorts of help being given to them. So one has to be a bit careful about taking them at, at face value. Why does this statue and the version of Second World War history that it represents, why does that mean so much to the Russian government that they're willing to take such risks? There's several reasons that the Russians get cross about this, but the biggest is that it's part of Putin's domestic agenda is to say to the Russian people, we are the inheritors of the glorious legacy of 1945, and anyone who disagrees with us is either blasphemous or Nazi or both. And that has sort of circling the wagons effect. And so it's not dissimilar, actually, being frank, to the way that Britain looks at the Battle of Britain. This is sort of marvellous, cathartic mm. moment when we, you know, country X stands alone and bravely and does wonderful things which generations will remember. I think all countries do, do, do that. There's a second issue, which is that it's a part of Russia's attempt to intimidate other countries. They're saying you're not fully sovereign. The fact that we, quote, liberated, unquote, you in 19... 45 means that we still have a say over what your public architecture looks like. It's part of the idea that these countries are all in some kind of lingering sphere of influence and aren't free to make their own decisions. That's so interesting. I mean, is, is that the Russian view of these old Warsaw Pact countries? Do they still feel like they have some kind of almost ownership over them? There's a very strong feeling that 1945 was the kind of jackpot year when the Soviet tremendous sacrifice during the war paid off. Um, these countries were trophies, booty, which were then snatched away from the Kremlin in 1989-91 by Western chicanery and then brought into NATO, which Russians see as a, as a kind of betrayal. 
And what's actually happening in these countries? Is there an equal intensification going on there? You know, we, we had the Velvet Revolution years ago. The Czech Republic, as it is now, embraced the EU and NATO. But there does seem to be this rising pro-Russia feeling. What's going on there? I don't think there's exactly a, a rising pro-Russian feeling, but I think that there is a feeling of disillusion with the EU, with the, the lack of American leadership, some hostility towards Germany, and the general sort of worries about globalisation that we see all over the place. And we see certainly in the Czech Republic, there is a bit of Euroscepticism. There's worries about NATO's foreign wars, to put it very crudely, the Iraq and Afghanistan didn't work out very well, and Czechs went and fought there, and for what? So there is a cocktail of discontents, all of which provide fertile ground for Russia and for China to play their games and say, well, hang on, the West isn't that great, so why don't you forget the past and, in case of Russia, or look to the economic prospects in the case of China and recalibrate the way you look at the world. Is a lot of this posturing about winning over the domestic audience, you know, particularly at a time where you've got coronavirus running rampant across Moscow, you've sort of got all sorts of economic problems coming down the line. Is this just a tactic Putin uses to keep people at home distracted? Yes, I think the yeah, the, the Soviet war myth is like rocket fuel for the Kremlin. Um, it's something that many Russians look on with great pride. It's a national unifying myth. And making out that other countries are chipping away at this and undermining it and disrespecting it all helps make it seem like a live controversy. And you can imagine how cross we would be in Britain if our war graves and Germany were being desecrated by Germans who said we didn't like being liberated by the British in 1945 and now we're going to knock down all your war cemeteries. We'd be absolutely furious. And the, the Russians see it in a, in a very similar way, although with much less justification. If you look at the size of the Russian embassy in Prague, now, the Czech Republic is a small country with about 10 million inhabitants. It's the same as the population of London, I would say. The, the, the Russian embassy here in Prague is totally oversized. They have like 140 diplomats. Now again, compared to the UK, there are about 80 Russian diplomats in the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom is much bigger than the Czech Republic. I would say that it's a very well-known secret that most of the diplomats, most of the Russian diplomats who reside in Prague are not diplomats at all, that they are secret agents who use the Czech Republic as, I would say, a Trojan horse inside the EU. Now, the mayor we spoke to, André Collage, he described it as the Czech Republic being a Trojan horse which allowed Russian espionage to take place inside the EU and inside NATO. He's absolutely right. And in fact, if you read the published reports of the counterintelligence services in countries like Czech Republic, one can see that Russian intelligence activity is, is booming. In the Czech, former Czechoslovakia, Soviet networks were not uprooted the way they were in places like Poland. And so there are a lot of old intelligence connections and financial connections, a lot of Kremlin money disappeared into places like Czechoslovakia at the end of the, the Soviet era. The Russian embassy in Prague is huge and a nest of spies and used for conducting espionage not only in the Czech Republic and Slovakia, but also in, in neighbouring countries. And the Czechs are quite right to be alarmed about it. And I think full marks to Mayor Collage for saying this so publicly and bluntly. <laughs> 
What does that mean for the EU and, and for NATO? I mean, how worried should we be about this? This isn't a specific Czech problem. It may be particularly visible in the Czech Republic, but we see Russian and actually Chinese influence in large manifestations in Italy, in Spain. We've seen Russian networks in Germany and extensive Russian espionage, particularly the, and the very close ties between the German energy industry and the Russian gas and uh, oil suppliers are, are troubling. There's worries about Russian influence in Cyprus and in Greece, in Serbia, in uh, Bulgaria. So this is not particular to the Czech Republic, but it is a, perhaps a particularly visible illustration of the problem. And what it really shows is that the EU and NATO has to be a lot and more clear-sighted in its dealing with this threat, both from Russia and actually also from China. It's one of those things we're aware of, but we don't sort of consider to be a priority most of the time. But, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Greece. That sort of suddenly came alive when Greece hit sort of economic difficulties and was falling out with the EU. And suddenly the Russian influence seemed really important. I mean, is there a danger that every time there is a bit of weakness or there is economic trouble, which there will be ahead, that Russia sort of becomes the automatic go-to for a lot of these countries? Russia exploits division and weakness, and whether that's economic, social, demographic, cultural, ethnic, regional, any sort of division, the Russians will try and they try and make friends with the Catalan nationalists in Spain. They've tried to cozy up to the Scottish nationalists. They try and cultivate alienated social groups in countries like Sweden. But it's worth remembering these are often self-defeating. So Russia had a very strong line of influence into Greece, but they overdid it. And they infuriated not, you know, the, even the previous rather left-wing Greek government got to the stage that they were chucking out Russian spies and complaining very vigorously about Russian influence. And the new Greek government under Mr. Mitsotakis is taking a very tough line. So often one sees a sort of a rather alarming tactical advance. And for, for the poor mayor at the centre of this story, for André Collage, who we've been speaking to. I mean, is this a David and Goliath story? What hope for him? Czechs are quite good at playing David, and their enemies often end up like Goliath, flat on the back with a stone in the middle of their forehead. So um, it's, I mean, yeah, there's a, a famous Czech sort of proverb, which is Miss Mimali Narod, we're a small country. And that often is used to sort of justify passivity and you know, the sort of hopelessness and the idea of the, you know, the good soldier Shveik, who um, survives by keeping his head down and not taking everything too seriously. But I think that the, the lesson of the last 30 something years is that individuals and small groups and small countries can make a difference. And the Czechs did get rid of communism in 1989, as I witnessed with my own eyes. And they did rebuild their country and make it into a prosperous, successful, stable democracy, closely integrated into Western structures. Are you able to tell us where you are at the moment? Well, at the moment, actually, I'm in my office because now the regime got a bit, I would say, softer and I can go to my office and fulfill my duties as a mayor and do my job. So that's great. What's it been like for you in the middle of all of this? Your mm. government isn't backing you and the Russian government is paying you more attention than most people would feel comfortable with. Uh, well, I don't know. I have mixed feelings, you know. It's, it's anger disgust, a little bit of fear and motivation because I, I really do feel motivated. I, I, I do feel motivated because it's my duty to prevail, to make sure that this won't happen again to anyone 
ever, ever, ever again. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Times columnist Edward Lucas and the mayor of Prague 6, André Collage. You can read more of Edward's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were James Shield, Asia Fuchs, Brenna Daldorf and Leona Hamid. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Also, in these uncertain times, you can access analysis, opinion and advice from the experts every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe to find out more. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.